Some rounds, birdies can be hard to come by. Fortunately for us all, some don't require that solid iron game to be found. Welcome to Bird Watchers, an expression of our eternal devotion to all things bird. Trade the rangefinder for a pair of binocs and keep an eye out for this week's featured bird. I think you were trying to do like multiple flamingo calls. I think you were doing the uh, trying to up my game. To be fair, I don't think you'll ever hear just one. Yeah, to, every video I found had multiple. So yeah, um, it's hard to pick out the the voice of one amongst the dozens of others. Exactly. Around it. So some may say that's talent that I can cover many voices. It's of pretty flamingo. good. I felt like you were you were almost like hitting two two notes at once. I was voice throwing some, my voice. Some Brittany exactly. Howard type stuff. Out yeah, here. I'm uh, I'm getting better. Dude, yeah, that was good. I'll give you nine out of ten on that. Sweet. Pretty All good, right. Joey. How's your week? My week has been good, man. Played some golf. Had a few birds and let's go. Joey played golf. Yeah, it's I know. Time. It's uh, I'm trying to get on the grind and um, we're playing. We're playing and we're making some birds and we're getting out there, enjoying some of this weather. It's uh, finally September. It's crazy. I, it? I shouldn't say finally. It's I mean time's flying. It's Ninety four degrees outside it's, today. It's hot, but I, I feel some good weather's coming. I can feel it deep in my soul. Dude, yeah, I think we're supposed to get a to get a break after today. Maybe it'll be down in the upper eighties. It'll yeah, feel like Christmas. What about you, man? Have you been playing? Uh, I think I've played once since we last met, since we last convened. Uh, That's surprising. Well, somebody's got to work around here, man. <laughs> we, uh, Luke and Matt and I made a trip out to Pine Hollow with a local friend of theirs, uh, Matt Fern. So the four of us went out, got to watch Luke beat around these hickory sticks, uh, which was impressive to watch. I, I've never... I've never, I don't think I've ever even seen a set of hickories, let alone watch somebody play with them. I remember somebody made a comment in the parking lot that that's a that's a confident man with that set on he's, his bag. He's been doing it for a while, I think. Yeah, playing he's with those things, sticking with them. It was impressive to watch. He he got around the course well with them, and I think that the the biggest hiccup or the biggest uh, flaw in his game with them was just around the greens. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, I I read I think it was in Golf Digest recently. Um, and, and I don't remember who it was that was commenting on, but they, they were discussing length and, and technology in golf. And whoever it was commented that the most important technological development of the last 50 years or however many years uh, in golf wasn't titanium shafts or titanium heads and steel shafts and whatnot. It was the invention of the lob wedge. And I thought that was interesting. And then watching Luke play with this, I don't know what what you would I don't have mashy or niblick one of those yeah Yeah, mashy something like that (laughs) whatever degree loft this wedge was yeah it it did make me realize a little bit how much you know the types of shots you can play with a high loft a sixty degree wedge or something around the greens even even a gap wedge or a fifty six around the greens versus trying to play with something that I assume amounts to like a strong pitching wedge. That and par- probably not many grooves on that club as well. Yeah, so. yeah very little. Yeah. That, so it seemed to make it, um, they, that was interesting, you know, watching somebody get around the course with those things and how he, 
how he managed it and just hitting these big slinging draws all day. And Luke, you know, is is long anyway. He can beat on it. So uh, I think he had, yeah, he played well. It was fun to watch. Uh, I was it makes alert. you appreciate your clubs you have now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I um I got around well. Made three birds. Yeah. So that's uh, and I think that made like five. The last five rounds I've played have been under eighty. So trending, yeah, trending handicaps below seven. Ooh. Trending. Ooh. Uh yeah, I've I've definitely just jinxed myself. I can <laughs> I can smell that bad. You're definitely streak shooting just eighty four this weekend. <laughs> I hope I get to play. I'd be thrilled if I shot eighty four this weekend. <laughs> but uh, you got you had three birds this past weekend, but we got one bird today. Let's let's jump right into it. What's our bird of the week? If anyone couldn't tell by my amazing calls in the title, one bird, six species. Uh, this week we're discussing the flamingo. A request by Joey. A request by I, Joey. I'm going to take credit for it. This is a bird I requested. It was, and I think Joey picked a great one. Flamingos are a species. I have worked with flamingos in the past, and in my time at Sylvan Heights, in my latter years there, I guess they've had flamingos for a while now. But they have a flamingo-specific exhibit. And I worked uh, one day, I remember spending, we were sexing these birds. That is to say that we were <laughs> determining their sex. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Uh, <laughs> pause. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, flamingos, regardless of the species, are, are virtually impossible to distinguish sexes just by uh, appearance. There are very slight differences in size. So sexing them involved taking blood samples banding the bird based on the blood samples so that when you took the blood sample to determine you would know which bird that went to and then doing you know stuff in a lab that i wasn't a part of i just got to hold them and get covered in flamingo poop so that was a fun experience kind of it was like 120 birds i think something like that that we rounded up sexed uh but that's like my that's about the only experience i have personally with flamingos i've never been able to go down to florida and see see the americans there um so let's jump in flamingos they're like i said there are six species the ones our homies in the southern part of the united states and down in south america would be most familiar with is the american or the caribbean flamingo one that's the national bird of the bahamas which is a really cool fact that's you know good vibes only surely some nation on this earth was made the flamingo their national bird if it was gonna if it was gonna be anyone it's gonna be the bahamas It, it just fits right in yeah those are the American flamingo. That's the uh, those are the second largest species. They're also the the most the brightest, the pinkest. I should say, like the deepest color of pink. They're kind of they're pretty much what you imagine when you think of flamingos. Mm-hmm. We were discussing before this. You know what gives flamingos their color? It comes from their diet. Pepto Bismol. They eat a lot of small invertebrates. They eat a lot of like uh, different kind of algaes. They're they're wading birds. So they you know we're talking about. All but, I think, one species live near the coast, whether that be, for in, the, in the case of the American flamingo, we see them in the Caribbean and on certain coasts uh, the, around the Gulf Coast of America, even in some places like Florida, and then around the very northern part of uh, South America and the far eastern parts of Central America, you'll find these birds. So basically around the Gulf Coast is where you find this subspecies. And then there are also uh, a couple of other species endemic to the rest of which are endemic to South America. Um, the Andean, which is the only species that isn't a coastal bird. They live in high mountain lakes in the, and the Andes, which is, runs across the western half of South America. So places from Bolivia, Ecuador, Peru, Chile mm-hmm. uh, is where you find these. 
They are also closely related to one, the Chilean species, which again is in the same range, but more towards the coast, and to the Puna or the James's flamingo, which inhabit the same general locale yet are in a much smaller concentration. And the thing about these flamingos, regardless of the species, is one, they are extremely gregarious, as is to say they they will not breed or the, and they will not exist even outside of large colonies. You'll never see a flamingo by itself. You pointed out in, in your brief readings that they're uh, lifelong breeding partners. I think like most species that there are exceptions to that rule, but by and large, they're monogamous, which when you think of flamingos gathering in the case of like the the greater flamingos, which is uh, the graders and which is also called the old world and the lesser flamingos. These two species are the two native to Africa and parts of Southern Europe and Western Asia. These birds gather like near Madagascar, quite literally by the millions. I mean, there can be up to a million at one time of uh, lesser flamingos on the Eastern coast of Africa near these large lakes and near the coast. So to me, that makes it even more amazing, kind of like penguins how they're monogamous and how they can come back to the same nest, to the same partner to raise an egg after going out. It just blows my mind how they distinguish each other from each other. Commitment. (laughs) I guess that's it. When you see the one, you know. Oh, yeah. No different with birds. Well, penguins and flamingos for that matter. So flamingos are not a threatened species by and large. Uh, There are a few. So like the Andean species and the James species are listed as near-threatened or vulnerable. A lot of that is because that the habitat they inhabit is, is subject to human intervention. It's also being more affected by climate change. When you imagine that they live in high altitudes, high elevations, they are more accustomed to slightly milder temperatures. And so as the, war, as the earth is warming, uh, it's forcing them maybe a little bit further down the mountains, a little bit more closer to the coast, which again just brings in more competition that it's not used to, you know, over the course of its evolution. So these birds have the potential to become threatened, but at the moment, most flamingo populations in most parts of the world are, are truly healthy, uh, which is great news for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we come to find that flamingos are a really easily identifiable bird. I don't believe I need to describe these for you all, but. Uh, it is, uh, it is worth noting that the, speci- the speciization, man, that's a tough word. I don't know why I had so much speciization. trouble. Speciization. Speciization. Specialization? No. Specialize. It's like the, the act of, of breaking a bird into species. Uh, we're going to cut this part. <laughs> no, we are not. So anyway, the, uh, the distinctions between these birds is based almost entirely on the location where the colonies exist, and the coloration. Um, But unlike, say, the crane, which we touched on, there is more biological diversity among these different species. Part of that being that two of the species are only in the uh, western hemisphere of the Earth, uh, or at least like much closer to the western-eastern divide. uh, That is to say they're African, they're southern European, and western Asian, versus the other four species, which are all on this side of the world, or this side being... North and South America. So you can, there, there are differences. If you pull up pictures, some are more pink than others. That again is based on where they live and their diet. So like the Andean and the Chilean species, you'll notice they're not as pink. They're actually more of a gray white color. But if you put them in captivity and feed them a supplement, which a lot of zoos do to keep the color, then you can see like these subspecies even hmm. start to develop that deeper pink. 
but there are differences. Some species have more yellow in the bill. Uh, one of the species, I believe it's the, um, the uh, James flamingo has yellow legs as opposed to pink. They're all roughly the same size. The lessers, of course, are the smallest species. They can be about three feet tall. The graders are the largest species. They get to about five feet tall. Wingspans of close to five feet. Hmm. Uh, Box. Pretty, five by five. I, I do feel like, the yeah, five feet's pretty big. I feel like people generally think flamingos are bigger than they actually are, though. When you see these things... I would have thought bigger than five feet. They yeah. look like Even herons. Though, yeah. They look a lot like herons. Although, fun fact is, they're not actually... For the longest time, scientists grouped them in the same species as like herons and spoonbills and other wading birds, but they're actually more closely related to grebes. And if you'll remember from our loon episode, uh, that is also a close relative of the loon. But uh, it's based on DNA evidence, flamingos are more closely related to a dove than they are to a heron or a stork, which... Is interesting because it just says a lot about uh, divergent evolution and the way in which species from completely different lineages, as is to say like a dove from a duck, can still develop these same similar attributes such as wading, the way in which they wade through the water, the way in which they eat, the way in which they behave, uh, some of the features they have, like the wingspans, the, the, the patterns in which they migrate and fly. Uh, it, it's really interesting to me how... Flamingos, in this case, flamingos can be so similar in so many obvious ways to the heron, for instance, like great blue herons, which we're probably all familiar with, and yet they're they're not even on the same side of the family tree, which I just found fascinating. Coming mm-hmm. into this, I definitely assumed that they were more closely related to, say, a heron or a, a stork. Mm-hmm. But so for all of our homies listening, um, if you're in Florida, especially on the southern coast, you've probably seen them. I'd be curious to hear, like all of our birds, any of the golf courses on which we can find flamingos. I think that adds a nice touch. And not just the, not yeah. the lawn ornament variety. Uh, our good friend <laughs> Don Featherstone, aptly named, in 1957 invented the plastic lawn flamingo, which we're nice. all familiar with, which yeah. became the, the symbol of suburbia. Speaking of uh, his name, Featherstone, where did the name flamingo come from? Do you know? I have How no idea what the... With the um, flamingo, it's, it's just it's cool. Flamingo, it is a it's, it's it, a it rolls off the to tongue. It, it creates. I wonder how much of that has to do with our perceptions of flamingos. Just the name in and of yeah. itself makes it seem like a again such a cool you know hip variety of bird. Yeah, definitely cooler and hipper than the spoonbill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely, but anyone out there? I wonder if you where know, the spoonbill got its name. <laughs> Look up a picture of the spoonbill. You'll understand where it got its I'm name. I'm sure it's yeah, pretty self We don't have to put as much thought into that. Yeah, Joey, you have any other questions about flamingos? No, I, you answered my question of why are they pink, and then um, yeah, for the listeners, if you know where the name flamingo came from, shoot us a message. Let us know. One more fast fact for you all on the subject of pink plastic flamingos. This is too good not to share. The town of Madison, Wisconsin. For all of you in the you know in Wisconsin, you know who you are. The pink plastic flamingo, specifically the plastic variety, is the city bird of Madison, Wisconsin. That doesn't even sound like lawful. As voted on by their city council. It's not even a real bird. It's a plastic thing. I don't know what my th- I don't know what I feel about that. I feel like you're That's like saying one- the desk lamp is our like <laughs> <laughs> our city's bird or whatever. Well, desk lamp I do have a duck lamp. 
Yeah, like a duck land. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. It, it's a it's a bizarre one. I would I would love to hear more about the the history of that political action taken by the city council. One, who brought that up, and two, who voted on that? Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. So anyone in Madison, please explain if you're listening. Yeah, I, I want to hear I want to hear about your heated Thanksgiving family <laughs> dinner discussions about the hot topic political issue being the city declaring the plastic flamingo as the city bird. Yeah, that is. Um, I'm, that here, is a, I'm here for that drama. Fact, yeah. I'm here for that drama. I would I would like to be in on that as well. Well, for all those listening, thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to reach out to us on Instagram at Lionloft or reach out to me by email, which is Jeb, J-E-B, at Lionloft.com, where you can submit uh, recommendations for birds you would like to hear about and see featured. Uh, please do, as we say, as we always mention, share with us any of these golf courses that you play where we can find some of these featured birds. Luke, I don't, Luke's never mentioned flamingos at Sawgrass, and I've never seen any on the, so maybe, probably not I've there. only been there once, and I didn't see any. Mm-mm. So please do let us know what courses we can go to see. Make sure to subscribe for the up and down newsletter, which you can find on our website. Scroll down to the bottom of lionloft.com. You'll see a handy little button you can click on where you can get all kinds of supplementary materials to the Bird Watchers podcast and keep up to date with what's going on in our world. Well said. Well said. Until next time. Caw-caw.